Welcome to the Man Up, Man Down podcast, presented by Volker Baluda and David Pawsey. We discuss the pressures and challenges faced by men approaching middle age that we're often too embarrassed to speak about with our friends. You can find us online at www.manupdown.com. Enjoy the show and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. So today on another episode of Man Up, Man Down, I'm very pleased to welcome Oli Henderson. So Oli has been a guest of mine on my previous podcast before, so and we've known each other for a couple of years, 10 or so or longer, I don't know, don't remember. Anyway, he's an experienced founder and CEO, um, pivoted his career whilst juggling the pleasures and pressures of raising a, a young family. He believes work-life balance is a myth, um, and, and I'm going to challenge him on that. Rather than seeing career and personal life um, as two opposing forces, Oli argues that the secret is to design an integrated approach that allows them to work in harmony. Oli's weekly newsletter and top 10 career podcast, Future Work Life, provides news and analysis to thousands of people interested in the future of work, covering subjects like creativity and innovation, data and technology, peak performance and workplace culture. He's also the author of the Amazon bestseller, Work-Life Flywheel, Harness the Work Revolution and Reimagine Your Career Without Fear. Oli, a lot to talk about there. First of all, welcome to the podcast. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invitation. So work-life, should we start with work-life or maybe a short intro from your end? Maybe we start with a short intro from your end first and then we can talk about work-life, life-life and, and, and balance in general. Well, and, and um, I like the fact that it's the pleasures and pressures of raising a family. So yeah, that was that was the positive spin on it. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You have three yeah. children, don't you? You have you I, have one I more do. than than I do. So and 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 I find it a struggle. So <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, let me just. I mean, I'll, I'll go in a few different directions, and uh, <laughs> you know, pull me back to center. So um, yeah, I've got three kids, and my wife and my three kids you live in north london and yeah up until three years ago i was running a business which i'd run for almost 11 years and it was a digital advertising agency hence why folk and i know each other and you know many of those years were rewarding and challenging as start founding a business and growing a business is hard of course but you know generally challenging but towards my end of my time there i found myself increasingly feeling like I needed a change. And I eventually uh, left that business, exited that business in January 2020, not knowing what I wanted to do next. I had no real plan. Um, in fact, you know, as I had a no, non-compete clause for what it's worth, but you know, at least that gave me six months where I was like, okay, well, I can't really work in this industry. So that's kind of a good thing. That's six or, months. And that space. would have been around the time you couldn't leave your house either. Well, I it? mean, yes, exactly. You... Um, <laughs> Which well, exactly preempted this the next bit, which is which is that basically, you know, look. Long story short, I started writing about what I wanted to do next, and I was and really what I was focused on is how do I want my work and life to fit together? Because what I realised in hindsight was that I'd burnt out several times, and I didn't really know what burnout was, or at least my perception of burnout was that you have a breakdown, you know, through exhaustion, and of course that 
does characterize a part of burnout but you know if you look at the official definition of burnout it also includes a feeling of cynicism about your job and also a feeling that that you're not being effective anymore in it and that was me you know that was me not only was I was tired but it's hard to differentiate between tiredness because you've got three young kids and tiredness because you're working hard frankly so I didn't you know that that was just my I'm I'm not much better now to be honest so I'm I'm always tired that's just a that's (laughs) just that's that's baseline but definitely, I had started feeling, A, like I wasn't achieving my potential or fulfilling my potential in what I was doing before, despite the fact that, you know, ostensibly the business was doing well and in many ways it was allowed me to do the things I enjoyed. But I've definitely felt cynical about it as well. That, that was the key thing when I reflect upon it. I just started really feeling like, is this, is this it? Is this, is this what it's all about? And along the way... I also had this overriding sense that I was never at home enough and never at work enough. I could, and this was the point getting to your question. I'm kind of answering two questions in on here. So see what, okay. see what I did, see what I did there for goodness. Um, so work life, you know, this work life balance thing, I could never achieve it. And I was under this, I don't know. I miss out. You know, I, I believed that everyone else could do it, and I just couldn't do it. And what I've realised is that nobody bloody does it. And it, and what I've concluded is because it's not possible. It is not possible to find balance, perfect balance between your work and your life. There's never a perfect equilibrium. And and the more I've contemplated, and the more I've explored it, and the more I've discussed it. And bear in mind, I've discussed this with hundreds of people, and I surveyed over four thousand people for my book. So this isn't. This isn't, you know, me just picking out a theory um, from the, from the air. This is, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time really robustly analysing it. Balance is not the thing we should be looking for between our work and our personal life. Yeah, these two things for most people cannot be separated. They often define, you know, our moods, our fulfilment. You know, most people, many people feel like when their identity at work is something that they're proud of and that they feel a sense of progress in, that also reflects upon their life. And, you know, if you think about people of our age, you know, many people reach a point where they do feel like they need a change. And, you know, all of these things are interconnected and work is a really important part of our life. Now, you you might say that, and certainly I've had this discussion and I've contemplated as well, why emphasize work in this phrase? You know, why isn't this just all life? And it's true, it's true. But what I'm trying to do is reframe that work-life thing because I believe that if you get the two to work together, they complement one another. And I think it's particularly relevant, and we could talk about this, you know, later, but it's particularly relevant since COVID because people now have a more flexible approach to work. But again, what I see is that as people require a more flexible approach to work, what does that mean? Well, it kind of needs to mean that you have to accept that work and life are going to become more integrated. Because if you want to, for example, not just do nine to five, but do like I do, five to 6.30 and then nine to 12 and then two to 3.30 and then seven to nine, that means you're having to get work and life to fit around each other not work against each other so that's as i said a bit about me but also why i have this idea about work-life balance that not only does it not exist but we shouldn't even be aspiring for it should we not just simply call it life life balance so i i try to call that life life balance 10 odd years ago when when, when i was very much into into productivity it never took off and I, a few other people obviously you know talked about it as well it wasn't wasn't only me but is it just not very simple? Just call it a balance in your life. 
I mean, I think it, it a lot <laughs> of that comes down to your career and the job you're in. Because I think for office, well, you know, knowledge workers, um, I mm. guess is sort of the, the phrase like, like, you know, we are. It's very different to someone that earns their their living working in retail or, you know. Yeah. It, you know, so, I, I mean, you know, and, and sort of what Ollie's, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you've said that, Ollie, because I beat myself up so much about the fact that I'm, you know, not nine to five. And, mm. you know, some, it's, it's like some mornings I'll, you know, start working at eight and I'll have the odd break. But, you know, by two o'clock, I'm like, right, well, I'm done. You know, I've done, I've done six hours, which is what I would have done in an office. And then it's like, right, well, you know, pick the kids up or, you know, do, I mean, like admin chores, you know, there is, I mean, well, you know, I I guess in some ways you could say it's, you know, a work-work balance because there are always jobs to be done in every aspect of your life, isn't there? I I think for me, you know, there's clearly, you know, I I think there's validity in what you're saying particularly folk around life balance if you want to use the phrase balance then life balance is better than work-life balance because as soon as you put two things next to each other the idea the suggestion the intimation is that they should be balanced and that's a 50 50 thing or however you want to do it now i think the, the point for me is is you know and certainly the title of the book it's reframing how people think about it that's the yeah. point. That's, that's what, you know, uh, you know, that, that's the key thing. So I'm not, and, and I think words do matter, by the way. I think the, um, I don't think it's uh, about semantic, I don't think it's just a semantic thing, you know, or, or you know, I, I think the words matter. And what I'm trying to reframe is that actually you can, these things should be a positive um, they should have a positive relationship. If you think about b- putting the building blocks in place of, you know, what I would call a flywheel, so these different parts of a virtuous cir- circle, which if you, you know, do a little bit of each, not only do they feed into one another and complement one another, but actually you get a sense of progress. And this is the other, this is why I like the flywheel metaphor, because what you're talking about there is that work and life work together in order to help you build momentum and make forward progress and the other thing you know the other insight i found which i'm sure you recognize and i'm not the first person to to highlight it is that for for most people they're feeling about their careers when when they go well is that they feel like they're moving forward they feel like they're moving making progress which is why the language people use when they don't feel like that is they feel like they're treading water Mm, or they feel like they're stuck or they feel you know these are the again we use language to evoke how we're feeling and you know ask somebody who wants to make a career change why they say well I just don't feel like I'm making any progress I just feel like I you know I, I just can't I, you know I, I'm stuck where I am or you know and these so what would get us out of this situation it's movement it's forward movement which is and so that's why I use flywheel as a metaphor but of course it's a good talking point because most people when I say work-life balance is a myth or as I write in the book in that chapter fuck work-life balance um, again, to partly provoke people into a conversation about it because it's one of those things that people don't feel like they can say. It's become lazy. It's like a, oh, yeah. I need good work-life balance. Okay, what do you mean by that? Well, I should work less. That's often what it means. But then the work, well, the work bit is cast as the negative, and I just don't believe it is. And okay, I'm a, I'm a, 
I'm an entrepreneur, if you like, as in I have been running my own companies for years, although I hate that phrase. And yeah. but it doesn't just apply to me. It could apply to, you know, knowledge workers, most of which the book is targeted at, you know, certainly in terms of the, the, the ideas that I'm talking about in there. But I do also think it applies to people, frontline workers, you know, my, you know, frontline worker people, their identity is still wrapped up in the thing that they do often. You know, and, and so why not create, why not you know, emphasize that? Why not make it a positive? Why not try to, you know, create a life and create some structure, a system in your life, which means that those two, you know, allow you to feel like you're making forward progress and fulfilling your potential. And frankly, it doesn't really matter what type of role you're doing. You know, you still can have a positive identity through the work you're doing. And I think that's a good thing. I don't think we should be shying away from saying work is good. There's a lot in there. Where do we start? I mean, I wrote a book about it. So as you'd expect, I know. I've got a lot of, a lot of, <laughs> lot of thoughts. <laughs> and and, 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 and I've, I've read the book and I think, you know, it, it resonates. It resonates with people our age, right? Um, I think that's that's what it is. And, and as you say, I think, at least for me, COVID accelerated that thinking, right? That's, that's why David and I are here, right? We, we, we sat down in COVID and thought, like, we, we need to do something, right? We can't just, you know, let life pass. So, so you mentioned stuck in a career, midlife. You mentioned, you know, positive identity, purpose, right? Is is, is in there, flywheel. Yeah, where, where where do we go next? I'm trying to think. I mean, a lot of us are stuck in our career, right? I mean, you you gave up, if I say your career, you know, your your business after ten years because you had enough. You know, I I I gave up my career after you know going up and down, you know, taking redundancies more and more often, trying to create my own business. If I say trying, I have my own business, but. You know, I, ca I can't say I'm working less and I'm not very good in having a good balance, to be honest. So all these things do, I was hoping want, I would have. Do you want to work less? Is that one of your goals, to work less? Um, I enjoy working. I, I like to spend more time with the family. So it's not about working less. It's spending more time with the family, which kind of is working less. Um, so, you know, if, if you look at it from a from a motivational point of view, it's about, you know, more time with the family is where I'm moving towards two and it's not about moving away from less work, if that makes sense. Um, and yeah, so if I could could make my time, I don't know what I want to say to be honest. If if I could make my time, you know, more 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 effective essentially, or earn more money with with less time spent at the work, so I can be more with the kids, that would be great. But that's not a you know, if if you look at COVID, right? We're now stuck at home and I'm still working 60 hours a week, right? And that's not right. Yes, I can take an hour, you know, for school run here and there. Um, so we have more flexibility, I think. But I can't say I have a better life balance. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the way I've approached this, I have fundamentally rethought how I am working. And so I gave a, like, a little glimpse into that before in terms of laying out my schedule you know, I work, I wake up really early now. So I woke up at 4.30 today to start work. I did an hour of work. Then I did some exercise because usually I'm exercising now when we're speaking. So, you know, use that's the time I exercise most days, but I knew we were going to be having this chat. So I thought, well, I'll get up and do it then. So it's quite nice doing it in the morning, actually. Um, so um, gave me a spring in my step this morning on the way to yeah. drop off the kids at school. But so so I tend to get an hour and a half work of work done in, in the morning, which then yeah. does allow me to finish work at five. And yeah. I'm finishing work at five in... I'm sat in my home office slash spare bedroom. Now, you know, this is easier because although I do have clients and I have people that I collaborate with and work with, almost everybody 
I'm doing that with right now is based internationally. So I have no reason to go to an office every day. I still do in-person meetings, um, but not that often, you know, maybe a day a week, half a day a week. So I, so for me, the, it's a good point. You don't, I, I'm working less, getting more done because I'm completely designing it around my schedule. Again, that's the luxury of working for yourself, but I don't think it's impossible in companies, by the way. I just don't think we're being imaginative about how we allow flexibility. Flexibility right now, people think, people associate flexibility right now with where you work. Starting to think about time, but not much. You know, there should be flexibility in when people work as well, because that unlocks what we're talking about here, which would allow you to do less work you know, incorporate less travel, spend more time with your family. And I think, you know, where I start in the book is before you do anything, any theory thing, anything, you really want to be working about, I call it mindset, but within that are just really thinking about what matters. What's the most important thing for you now? And what's the most important thing in the long term? And you then try to work backwards, you know, what's your North Star? What ultimately do you want to achieve in your life? And then work backwards, you know, how mm. what are the incremental steps that are going to get you there? And then what are the actions day to day that you want to that are gonna you're gonna need to put into place in order to give you a chance of actually achieving it. Um and I don't think many people do that. I think this is the problem. I think a lot of people our age, you know, that life's becoming very, very busy and very full of things. And we've, yeah. forgot, we've forgotten to consider whether those things are worth it and whether and a lot of those things drain our energy and don't provide us of any value. And so you kind of have to be pretty brutal to say, well, okay, these are the things that matter. These are the things I'm going to purge. Um, and then, of course, look, we've got some obligations and responsibilities, which you, you know, they're never going to go away. But I think, you know, if you want to make a change in your life, you have to consider every aspect of it. And sometimes that may, yeah. involves making trick, difficult decisions. It might even involve making sacrifices, particularly financially. You know, yeah. when you step away from running a, you know, a business, if it's a successful one for years, you make financial sacrifices. What's amazing is how quickly you adapt and realize that yeah. all those things you thought you needed before – you probably don't need as much. And um, so I think, you know, it's about taking bold decisions. I mean, that is something that we've talked about a lot is the the sort of the golden handcuffs that, you know, yeah, you know, when you're used to earning a certain amount and even if you're you're in that place where, well, you might not be dreading getting up to work every morning, but, you know, you've, as you say, you've become cynical. You just don't really have enthusiasm for it. Yeah. Mm. but at the same time, you're like, well, what else am I going to do? I mean, I've got a friend who's a head teacher, and you know, it, it's yeah, for some people in vocations, it is you know, can be difficult to think, well, what am I going to do now? But I'm um, oh, sorry, there's a couple of things that I wanted to sort of pick up on. Um, so with your schedule, so do you plan out your? I mean, do you have the same schedule each week and each day? Or, I mean, for example, you've said today you exercised like earlier you'd normally do it at lunchtime yeah i have to confess i got on the bike this morning um and i do yeah i mean like i tend to to like exercise like lunchtime as well so yeah how sort of how like rigid is your schedule and and sort of another thing you said about finishing at five but you deal with companies all over the world so how Mm. do you manage that you know in terms of i mean well how flexible are you and how rigid are your boundaries you know because if you're as you say it's like a lot is to spend time with the family so yeah i start from a position um of rigidity with 
my clients and collaborators and then provide flexibility if we really if there's no avoiding it so for example if i'm recording a podcast with someone on the west coast in the us obviously i'm going to need to do that later in the day yeah now what i what i will not do is do it at nine o'clock at night because i'm just i'll be completely ineffective at that time i just i'm the morning person and even doing it in the evening is more difficult but I can't do it before seven thirty because all the kids are awake and you can bloody hear them in the background. So you know, I've yeah. got like a you know. So so from that point of view, I just have to be honest with people. But you know, I have yeah. So I don't know. Like, for example, next me next week, I've got a meeting with five people and four of them in the US. So I'm going to do that at seven in the evening because you know I'm not going to expect them all to log on at six in the morning just for me. Yeah. So I sort of start, I ha, I've kind of got these bands that I use to say, generally, I don't do meetings between 9 and 10.30 in the morning, because that is when I do, you know, it's a classic Cal Newport deep work thing, which I discovered, I don't know, five years yeah. ago. I, I just, that is, if I can get, if I can get up early, say five and do an hour's work between five and six, and then do another hour and a half between nine and 10.30, that's two and a half hours work. That would be two and a half hours work if I wasn't performing far better than I do at any other time. So actually, I'd probably get the equivalent of five hours work done. Yeah. Then I do a couple of meetings, three meetings, say, and I've hit 12 o'clock and I've basically done a full day's work. You know, relatively speaking, in terms of my output, that is my a full day's work, which means everything in the afternoon is a bonus. Now, that's sort of how I think about it. And, 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 I've, and I've found that way of working. Now, I did that at my last company, by the way. I had a rule that between 9 and 11, actually, you couldn't do any meetings. And, pe- and people struggled to adapt to it. And it wasn't right for everybody. That's what I've realized now. You know, this is what I've learned yeah. since then, is that some people want to have that uninterrupted time between 3 and 5. Or, you know, whenever it, it, it depends. Yeah. But I generally think having a time, an uninterrupted hour and a half, couple of hours a day, significantly improves productivity for a start. And all of these things are interrelated. So if I do that, I get a load done, which means I can justify spending half an hour, 45 minutes doing some exercise just before I have lunch. It might even, and because I get up at 5, 4.35, I, I often have a nap for 20 minutes. Yeah. And the thing is, I justify, uh, it took a while to justify that. But if I have my, if I do some exercise, have some lunch, have a 20 minute nap, again, I'm twice as effective in the afternoon. So why wouldn't I do it? So, you know, look, I always caveat this with, I have, I can do what I want. This is the choice I've made that I, yeah. and I want, you know, when, when I look at the values I have and I did identify five values, I want to just make sure feed their way through my work and my life. Autonomy is number one, partly because it begins with A and it's in alphabetical order, but uh, autonomy is really <laughs> important to me. <laughs> um, so, and, and, and look, I would not have always been able to do that. However, I should have been. And this mm. is my point. If I was, you yeah. know, next time I hire somebody who's just coming into the job market, you know, I don't know, like an 18-year-old or a 21-year-old or whatever, 25-year-old, I'll try and understand and identify with them when they do their best work. And I'll try and help them design their schedule around it because why wouldn't you want to do that? It's just madness that we don't do that. Man Up, Man Down is sponsored by Welldoing. As someone who has seen a counsellor for a number of years, I think their approach is great. They want you to find the mental health professional who is right for you. You can filter your search to highlight therapists with expertise where you need it, or you can pay to use their personalised matching service. The people who run Welldoing are experts in mental well-being, and they also have loads of posts and interviews to keep your mental health in good shape. Take a look at welldoing.org. 
Oh, uh, you're so you're you're touch. Well, you're touching on something that that I was hoping you'd raise because I'm I'm a big fan of Daniel Pink, and I I found his book Time like quite mm. mind blowing, and you know, and that's yeah. a lot of what he talks about is. You know, in terms of meetings, they're arranged when everyone's free, as opposed to when everyone's gonna be like most effective. And yeah. and you know, and obviously that is one of the things that he talks about. And and you know, and I'm definitely in the category of I'm I'm a lot more productive in the morning. And you know, as you say, it's almost like you know, I I I try and put off meetings. You know, as you say, if it's unavoidable, it's like all right, well, I'll do one later in the day, but my mind is pretty much blank at <laughs> that time of day. And, you know, and, and well, naturally another thing that I want to sort of touch on, you sort of, you said about, I can justify exercising. And yeah. I mean, that is sort of something that I struggle with in the, I'm like, well, why should I justify that? I'm my own boss. I, I've, oh, 100%. No, you're I've right. done you're my right. work. Yeah. I haven't got any meetings in. And I actually had a client phone me yesterday when I was lying down doing a bit of mindfulness at lunchtime. And, and, and I said, oh, you're phoning me because you know that I'm laying down on my bed right now. And, but, you know, and it was almost like that. That's, that's the relationship I've brought up with that client, uh, yeah. you know, that I've developed with that client. I've known, well, that, that individual for quite a few years, I've worked for that client for a number of years but you know it's like there there are perhaps some clients and I, I might not have said that a year ago but you know it is that thing of oh I'm not working right now but I mean and again I was listening to a podcast sort of earlier this week about sleep and you know and yeah. it was talking about how all the big well Google and um well I think it is sort of it, it came from NASA but it, it was sort of about you know, having that 20 minute nap, the benefits of that. So now, you know, Google and, and, you know, a lot of these tech companies have sleep spaces and well, quiet places where, yeah, you can go and have a snooze. So it's like, actually, I'm not being lazy. I'm, you know, I've got a cutting edge office (laughs) that I'm working from. Yeah. And you, you, you were right to pick me up on the justification bit, because again, there is clearly a connection between physical fitness, physical activity and cognition. You know, if you, you know, in the morning, I, if you get, if you get the body moving and get the blood pumping, then your brain's going to work better. And, 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 you know, that applies in the same way to sleep. You know, I did, I, I started incorporating the Nappuccino as Dan Pink calls it in, in the book, <laughs> which is basically necking a, I actually drink Earl Grey tea, but um, you know, you can have coffee. I have a necker cup of Earl Grey tea just before I fall asleep and set an alarm. And I wake up and 20 minutes later, you wake up and the caffeine kicks in and, uh, and, it, and it works. So at least it works for me and I've trained myself to be able to do it. But would I have been able to do that if I was in the office five days a week without the benefit of a sleep pod, which is what they tend to call these things with the yeah. companies employed? And they're bloody expensive, by the way. So how many companies are actually going to do that? So probably not. So this is, so again, this is a, this is a relatively new thing for me. It's one of the benefits of, you know, work, working from home, certainly. And just to go back to your original question, I reckon I am able to control my schedule myself two to three days a week. 
two days a week probably mm. the other days i've just got to fit around clients really i mean for, i also fit around the kids and my wife but mm. But that's, I think it's the, I think actually the, the cadence I found through my day and my week have settled around the kids schedule as well, to be honest. So then, so that's kind of in place. Yeah. Um, that's why I get up really early because they get up, they get up early anyway. So I have to get up really early in order to be able to actually get the benefits of working first thing. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, I, I think it's, I, I say, while I'm always, as you've probably noticed, I'm always adding a, but I understand that not everyone can do it in sort of a, you know, parentheses mm. but actually we could we could if we had an particularly if lead leadership had an enlightened approach that i won't go into this now because i could talk about this for hours as well i think <laughs> part, part of the issue we've got is that managers and managers you know if you look at survey data managers admit themselves that they had inadequate skills in order to manage teams before covid well what do you think they're thinking now and they've got mm. a much more complex approach to lot you know work, work design where you know, the dimensions there's many more dimensions time space final frontier i'm not sure where i'm going with that but um you know the uh, yeah they've got many more many more uh, considerations and you know it's it's a really hard job but i do think this is personalization personalization exists in loads of areas of life doesn't really exist at work so, you know, that's something we can change. And, and I guess that's where we're going, right? I mean, call it the freelance revolution, call it, you know, I mean, I think, I, you know, if I say a time of recording, as I like to say, I, I got like four invites to four different Slack groups for interim and fractional CXOs, right? There's, there's so much happening in the workplace for people to wanting to break out. I just took on a mentor role and I started mentoring someone who has, you know, way more experience than me in corporates, but doesn't understand startups, right? There's so many things you know, which, you know, which, which is changing, you know, people's perception are changing, people want to give back, they, you know, especially when they when they get to their midlife. And yeah, I, I totally, you know, I don't, I don't need to repeat myself too much or repeat what you guys said, but I'm, I'm a big 5am person, have been for many years, um, because of the kids, exactly, there, there was no other way than to fit exercise in, but to get, get up at five. I personally can't do lunchtime exercise, I just doesn't sit right with me you know you then shower and you lose so much time throughout the day and i'm like this this is prime time working time however i remember when lockdown hit and i was like i can have my nap every day i can't only have it when i work from home i can have it every day big big napper um always have been um especially if you exercise early right you, you're, you're knackered come 11 o'clock 12 o'clock right um you need that break and you know, but I, I find it difficult in terms of justifying, actually. Let's let's jump back there for a second. I'm still trying to justify myself to be at my desk. I mean, a client would never call me during my nap because I go on in-flight mode, right? So the phone is off. So there's like no chance for that, David. You know, take a note. Yeah, no, um, that's, that's, that's a good learning point for me. So uh, <laughs> sorry, Infigo, if, if you call me uh, at lunchtime in the future, that's what, do not you'll have to leave a message. <laughs> but you just you just have to create your own space, and you know, I like like yesterday as an example. I um I I had to go. I didn't have to go in the end to, to the Apple Store, and I'm like, I said to my wife, she was off. I said, why don't we do lunch? And then you know, I was out of the office from twelve to two, right? And I can do that because I can you know define my own schedule. I didn't have any meetings, but it still kind of makes you feel guilty, and it makes you want to work longer in the evening, despite. It's me who controls myself, right? <laughs> no one else, you know, no one's sitting there going like, fuck you haven't worked, you're seven and a half hours today, right? Um, but it's this, 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 this mentality is stuck with us and I don't know where that's coming from. 
Well, I think it's just because we've been ing- it's ingrained in us that we work nine yeah. to five, Monday to Friday. It's conditioning I mean, at the end exactly, of the day, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and it takes. I know there is obviously the the thing about habit forming. Um, yeah, it doesn't take as long as we think, but I think that is related to the things you're doing day to day. This is like this is when we're zooming out and saying, "What does society expect of us?" And what do, and that's why businesses struggle to wrap their hand around yeah, productivity as a measurement. I mean. It's bizarre. I mean, I still don't really understand how they measure productivity um, across you know, such a complex economy with so many different people. Um, and I don't know whether national you know, productivity numbers tell us that much. I mean, it must mean something. But I don't, certainly don't think that companies and most leaders have a grasp on what they're really looking for, which is why you know, everyone says we should all have, be you know, living with an outcome-based approach to work. But that's easy said than done if you work in a sales role or if you work in a, I don't know, programming role when you've got a certain milestones you've got to hit. But for most jobs, it's far less tangible. Um, and again, that is another skill which leaders need to acquire. And there's a deficit in other areas already. So, you know, all of these things, you know, we I think this is, again, just go back to my point around language and attitudes sometimes you need to shake things up in order to, to make people realize what we should be focused on. And that's my point about the work-life balancing. It's like, look, you're allowed to say something different and you're allowed to think something different, right? And it's a, particularly if you're you know, thinking positively about it. And it's the same with work schedules. You know, it's hard, for, it's hard for some people to understand, particularly if you're a bit long in the tooth like us or people are even older than us. But there are other ways to do things. And they might even be better than the way we used to do things. Mm. <laughs> But, I mean, I think sort of, well, the most interesting thing, I mean, you know, we, we sort of talk about middle age, but, you know, in, in some ways, and, you know, I think this sort of all ties in with, with what we're talking about. Um, the fact is, you know, we won't be able to retire till 75, you know, that that's sort of almost the figure that that's sort of being bandied around. And I'm like, well, actually, I've still got more of my working life left than I've I've sort of been in work. So you know, it's like, right, you know, and, and you know, I've I've sort of worked freelance for a number of years, and I mean, and sorry, I'm jumping around a bit. I think the interesting thing is, I've come into this from working full time, then being a stay at home dad, then building up a freelance career. So I've almost gone from you know, like, you know, rather than going from an office environment to working at home where I've kind of been conditioned and, you know, and I did work nine to five, but um, it's, you know, I've almost come from it from a more a case of fitting in around the kids and, you know, as, as they've got older and, you know, I've taken on more work, you know, that, but yeah, you know, I'd, I'd say, well, I, I guess my question is then as well, I mean, do you, do you ever feel like you have to justify to client? I mean, do you used to say I can't make that, or do you say, "Oh well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to see the Harvest Festival," or you <laughs> yeah, know? No, I absolutely say that. I say when I've I make it, I've made it really clear to everybody that my kids are my priority. Yeah, and that's not again. It's not to say that I'm always at the school gates waiting for them. My wife and I take turns, and we do yeah. have childcare that we you know have. For, around around the kids as well i've also by the way just the extreme example so i was um for about 18 months i was 
the, um, what was called the future of work specialist for a private equity firm. So I used to work with them and their portfolio companies kind of helping advise them on changes related to work. And they do, they put a profile on the website uh, and bear in mind, you know, private equity is a pretty traditional business. You know, they're one of the first businesses which apart from frontline workers back in the office after COVID and on my profile, I, um, I put that I enjoy a lunchtime nap <laughs> now because the point, if I'm, if I'm advising people on the future of work, it needs to be not about work, how it used to be or how work is at the moment. It's about how work could be and how yeah. we can make it better. And again, I'm not saying everybody should have a nap, but I'm just saying it's okay if you want to think differently mm. about it. And by the way, your point about a long working life is so relevant because, well, here's a, here's the thing. Here's the academic stuff, right? Linda Gratton, um, London Business School professor, has written a really interesting book about this with Andrew Scott called The 100 Year Life, making the point that we are going to be living far longer and the three-stage life as they define it, which was education, work, retirement. That doesn't exist anymore, mm. partly because we the idea that you would leave university or school at 21 and then retire at 65 and never learn anymore, have any formal or informal formal learning is ridiculous because, well, look what's happened in the last three months with with generative AI. I mean, things are moving so quickly. Mm. You have to be constantly learning. So they define it more as a multi-stage life, partly because it's saying, well, look, you go through, you go through waves. You're going to have periods where you're intensely busy at work. There'll be periods where you have to take the foot off the accelerator. There'll be periods where you have to reskill. You might take sabbaticals. You might go freelance. You might go back into a permanent role. You might be doing more of a portfolio approach, but then you might specialize again. Mm. No, these are all natural kind of undulations in our work and our lives. And yeah, we will be working longer. So if you're working longer, you better bloody enjoy what you're doing. That's the thing. And, and I think yeah. that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, you, I, I think people think it's a burden when you get to middle age and you've had a career doing the same thing. I mean, reframe it. Think about it as, look, this is a brilliant opportunity. You've got certain skills and a network and relationships, which might allow you even just at the bare minimum, half a week to just, just get by and give yourself some other time to find the things that you really enjoy for the next 10 years you don't need to plan for the until you're 75 mm. but you do want to be thinking what do I, what's going to actually make me want to get up out of bed in the morning and if i could spend half my day doing that and the other half earning some money for five years while i you know recalibrate pivot I, you know that's a good thing so so i think you know this is a it's natural b it's not a new phenomenon but it's certainly exacerbated by the fact that we're going to be living longer but c you know i don't i don't know i mean look i'm only I'm 40, not yet 40, I'm 40 next month. I don't know what I'm going to do when I retire. When I, a lot of the people I see in my life, my family and friends who have had you know, successful long careers, they don't want to stop work. When they mm. do retire, they end up going back and doing something because for them, work is a, it's a, I suppose like it's a vehicle for them to use their brains and for them to build relationships and have connections with people. And I think that's a good thing. So in one sense, it takes the pressure off. You don't need to retire, make enough money to retire by the time you're 50. Embrace the fact that you're going to be working longer and make decisions which allow you to actually enjoy stuff that you're doing every day because you're going to be working longer. And that means you don't need to worry about retirement so quite so soon. And that's, that comes back to what you said originally, right? If you, if you have the right purpose, right, which can be work, right, and, and design a job that suits you, right, you, you're never going to be mm. working again because you have that balance. 
Yeah. Right. And then you can work until you're 80 or 90 or 100. I love the book, actually, The 100 Year Life. I read it years ago. Mm. Um, it's, 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 it's very eye opening. And it's interesting, the, the, the different stages in life, because what, what I notice at the moment, it's quite interesting, as I, you know, as I always go through transition phases anyway. But whenever I kind of think, oh, maybe I want to go back from, from consulting work into full time work. People look at my CV and go like, oh, you only stayed there for a year. I'm like, yeah, what's a contract? <laughs> why, why would I stay there longer? So if you then, if I say extrapolate that to, to um, extrapolate that to, uh, if I say 75 years of age or 60 years of age, so another, you know, for me, it's only another 15 years, right? Until I'm 60, great, crazy. Um, anyway, I, I imagine all the jobs I would have had and, and, and that will be normal. And I don't think the CV will be, you know, what people should be looking at because it doesn't show anything in terms of, you know, the real experience or anything else. It shows the timeline of all the experience you accumulated. Yeah. yeah, in terms of CV, there was something in your book as well about a CV or do I misremember that? Probably, probably. And maybe I've struggled to remember the sort of book <laughs> okay. I've written recently. I mean, look, I think the CV is completely inadequate if, uh, if you want yeah. to ask my opinion about the CV. I exactly, say yeah. LinkedIn profile. LinkedIn profile is not much better. I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? You, there's... Lots of people talk about, and it's a bit meaningless, frankly, because people don't have different definitions of it. But I get the sentiment. People say you should be able to bring your whole self to work. Yeah. I mean, A, (laughs) what does that really mean? But if it means what we think they want it to mean, which is that you shouldn't have to, A, change your personality and character when you go to work. Agree with that. Brilliant. But then if we're going to allow that, that requires companies to understand that there's individuals coming into the role and not be so um, you know, defined in the way they expect people to do it. But the other thing is you need to acknowledge and embrace the things that make people different. And you know, the problem is as technology has improved efficiency and allowed people, companies to screen candidates more efficiently, actually you lose some of the things which actually make tend to determine whether people are successful in the roles, which are how well aligned are they with what we're trying to achieve here? You know, how well do they work within the sort of team environment and culture um, that, you know, that we're trying to build? And I think for that reason, CVs and LinkedIn profiles don't really do a very good job. I'm much more in favor of building something which gives us a more, more of a sense, a more, um, you know, an understanding about people's whole selves. And the, the way to do that is to not just acknowledge qualifications and work experience, but also emphasize some of the passions that people have in life and some of their side projects, you know, embrace side projects. Yeah, you didn't really ask me whether what I thought about the CV, but there you go. Okay, no. Told you anyway. I'm, I'm sure you had an opinion in your book, and, and I think that was exactly the opinion. Um, yeah. well, we discussed it before, I don't know. But yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. totally with you there, and, and I don't know if there's a solution for that. Mm. Ollie, look, looking at the time, we, we slowly need to come to an end. But I, I'm curious um, what you're up mm. to these days, because there, there's still a few things, you know, you, yeah. you reinventing and, and, and your own flywheel and, and what you have found. Yeah. So f- fill us in on that before we, we have to come to a close. Well, I mean, as you'd expect, I mean, I've written the book and I, st- I do a lot of writing, uh, do a lot of podcasting and increasingly doing a lot of speaking um, related to the subjects I cover in the book and in my newsletter and podcast. Um, so I'm doing a bit of that. But um, what if I were to say to you that we should reinvent how uh, people apply for roles and understand their job? You might even say, what if, what if we were to say reinvent the CV? Yeah. I don't know if we, we might have talked about that recently. Um, <laughs> <My stuff. laughs> so I'm working on something. 
which is related to that, funnily enough. And, you know, it relates to this point, which, you know, through my research, I found, you know, here's the headlines. Nine in 10 people don't feel like they're fulfilling their potential. Three quarters of people feel like they want to make big changes in their career. Now, the problem is they don't really have the insights to help them make that decision. You know, there are many people don't have the insights. And yet those insights are laying in plain sight in the moments that are happening every day in our lives. We don't really spend enough time reflecting on it and paying attention to it. So all I want to do is give people the opportunity to transform those moments, those the highlights of their days into the sorts of insights which are going to help them build their career and build a, a you know a better work life you know work and personal life and i suppose the shorthand way of doing it if you think about that that photo montage feature on your phone you know that you flick through and it says you know here's what you were doing a year ago today and you're like oh yeah. forgot about that i remember that now i'm back there i'm in that moment or you know here's these moments that you've had with this particular person and this is over 3 years ago i forgot about that but that i really remember that experience well, I want to create that, but for your career. So you're not going to forget those important moments and those those moments which are really contributing towards how you feel about your work and how you're feeling like you're making progress are at your fingertips and can both help you make decisions about what you want to do next, but also can create opportunities for you in the work that you do. I have to say that, uh, <laughs> that sounds right up my street. <laughs> Just, oh, I mean, it's sort of something that I, I talk about a lot in the... I'm not very good at holding on to that, I don't know, feeling of success, shall we say, mm. of like finishing a project. And, you know, like, it's almost like I've, you know, got short-term memory loss of, you know, yeah. client's happy, then next bit of work, this is awful, client's going to hate it, blah, blah, blah. And and I was putting something together for a client yesterday, and I was like, I know that I talked about this in a previous bit of content I wrote for them. And um, and then I went back and I'm like, oh, this is actually, this is quite well written. <laughs> and it's, it's almost like a surprise to me yeah. that I can do my job. So yeah, something, an app <laughs> that reminds me on a regular yeah. basis exactly. would, would be quite useful. There you go. I'll sign you up. <laughs> nice one. Right. Well, I mean, as Volker said, we've unfortunately come to the end. Yeah. You know, it's a phrase that we use a lot. But I think, you know, we have scraped the service on a few things. So it would be great to perhaps uh, get you back. I mean, you know, as I say, I sort of raised Daniel Pink and I don't think I put that in the context because I know that you've interviewed him for your podcast. So, mm. so yeah, I mean, I mean, to be honest, I could just sit here and, and, and hear about all the people that you've interviewed for, <laughs> for your books because if they're of, of that calibre, then, you know, and for anyone who doesn't know Daniel Pink, I think he started off as writing speeches to Bill Clinton, did he? I think he did, yeah. I think so, well, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, one of them. One of them um, yeah. But yeah, he's he's written some, some well, you know, books that I've found quite powerful. But yeah, so if people do want to, uh, well, hear about your interview with Daniel Pink and other things, where can they find you, Ollie? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, so you can find me there and feel free to connect with me. Um, but the newsletter and podcast are both called Future Work Life and the book's called Work Life Flywheel. Brilliant. Okay, well, we'll obviously uh, put links to all those in the show notes. And yeah, do you have anything to add, Volker? No, not really. Th- thank you. Thank you for my end. That's what I have to add. Um, you know, se- se- second podcast we're doing. And yeah, there's probably going to be more. There's, there's yeah. so much more to discuss. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Feel free to reach out to Volker or David via our website, www.manupdown.com or podcast at manupdown.com with any feedback or to let us know what topics you'd like us to cover in the future. Hear you again soon.